0: This is Got Marketing, a fad-free, fluff-free, no-nonsense podcast for marketers looking to work smarter. I'm your host, Mia Feilman, a marketing strategist with over two decades of experience and an entrepreneur. I'm tired of marketers telling you what you want to hear. Instead, I tell you what you need to hear. During the show, I chat with creatives and strategists about all the aspects of marketing, But especially marketing campaigns. Unpacking and dissecting marketing campaigns is what I do for fun. Got Marketing is brought to you by Campaign Del Mar, the marketing education platform where marketers and entrepreneurs go to upskill. Let's dive in, shall we? Hello friends, and welcome back to the Got Marketing Podcast. The pandemic has served as a catalyst for influencers' growing role in brand marketing. In industries such as beauty and fashion, influencers have become so omnipresent that not having an influencer marketing strategy may leave you left behind. Today on the show, we will discuss influencer marketing campaigns and showcase how smaller brands have been able to use influencer marketing to propel their brands. Joining me on the show today is Taylor Rossetti. She is the campaign manager at Orico Agency, located on the Mornington Peninsula. Orico specializes in branding and communications. Taylor has been working in the marketing industry for over 10 years, and during this time she has gained valuable experience in a range of different areas including skincare, healthcare, and toys. Welcome to the show, Taylor. Thank you for having me. It's really exciting to be here. Now, tell me, are we popping your podcast cherry? Is this what we're doing? Yes, you are.
1: So please be kind.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I am so kind. That's like, it's like brand value number one.
1: Yeah. Kindness. I agree. hundred percent.
0: Awesome. Well, I am actually so excited that you're here. I think you're a flipping legend. I heard you deliver a masterclass and I was like, this chick knows her ship. So, yeah, yeah, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you. I know. And I'm so glad you didn't tell me who you were or what you did
1: until I finished presenting that masterclass. (laughs) And then you were like, yeah, this is who I am. And I was like, holy shit, you're a big deal. It was really flattering for me, like for you to compliment me on that. And then also for you to invite me here
0: on this podcast today. Oh, I have you fooled. I'm not a big deal. (laughs) You're good at it. Whatever you're doing, keep it up. Oh, thank you. All right. Let's get stuck in for today. I'd really like to start by talking about the meteoric rise in influencer marketing. Can you talk us through some of the key stats around this?
1: Yeah, look, I think when I started doing, you know, really deep research around this, I pulled out a lot of different pieces of information, but I thought something that was really interesting to highlight definitely comes off the back of, you know, what happened recently when it came to Kind of cracking down on financial influencers or finfluencers, promoting you know certain financial topics or products or providing really deep recommendations that potentially they're not in the right position to actually. I guess, do or promote if they're not a financial expert in that particular area. So ASIC did a bunch of research around this to support the policy that they did implement. And they came out in 2021 and found that about 33% of 18 to 21-year-olds follow at least one financial influencer on social media, which, you know, doesn't sound like a lot. But I mean, if you are following them, potentially, if it's, more than, it's probably more than one. And you're just, you know, mindlessly scrolling, these people are going to appear on your feed and you will actually retain some of this information without realising it subconsciously. And then they also found that a further 64% of young people reported actually changing at least one of their financial behaviours as a result of following these influences So I thought that was really interesting. Again, like I said, it's something that you do almost mindlessly, but you're actually absorbing this information. So I think this is a great stat or piece of information to reflect how influential influencers can actually be without people realising it because they've
0: become a part of our our everyday. They certainly have. And I love that term, finfluencer. God, marketers just love coming up with new terms for things, right? Right. Yeah. And, yes, um, do. <laughs> yeah, and then in the Finfluencer category, of course, the name that comes to mind is Victoria Devine, the She's on the Money, and she's an absolute flipping legend. And wow, she is such a wealth of information for young people and really brings those truth bombs, I think. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's that's a, a good point. What you're saying is I think you need to be able to do really in-depth research and be really clear about what it is you are saying, because like you've said, young people do look up to people. And, you know, we do listen to She's on the Money. Quite a few girls that I work with love that podcast. So, Yeah, I don't don't think influencers realise potentially sometimes the level of power that they have. And then I think on the other hand, a lot of them do. So I think it's up to the audience or the viewers discretion to, I guess, try and filter that information. But I think this is where people or, you know, industry bodies like ASIC or the TGA are trying to come out and implement these policies to try and filter some of that information as well.
0: Yeah, certainly. And so is influencer marketing working? Like what's the ROI for brands on this?
1: Definitely. So from what I guess a piece of information that I did find again in a bunch of different studies. So there are a lot of businesses out there who are doing this research constantly. And one of the pieces of information I found is that businesses are making approximately $5.78 return on investment for every $1 spent on influencer marketing, which is huge. Like that's Just, I mean, you know, in something like my role as a campaign manager, you don't always have a huge budget to dedicate towards campaigns or marketing activities. So, if you can justify it with working with, I don't know, X amount of influencers and you'd be spending a lot less versus, I don't know, running one print ad in a really premium magazine for the same cost.
0: It's huge. That's a huge ROI. I saw that stat and I was like, okay, I quickly need to find an influencer that I can partner with for Campaign Del Mar because that sounds really compelling.
1: Well, it definitely does. And I think the beauty as well of influencer marketing, a lot of it's online. So it's digital. It's easy to track. You've got all these insights at your fingertips. So it's a no-brainer I think for anyone wanting to do marketing you can track and follow the results like from from go to woe I think it's incredible
0: I don't know if it's a no-brainer though because I've had a lot of my customers who are predominantly small to medium-sized organizations say that they have felt very burnt by working with influencers you know and in fairness I feel that you know, this really came down to a breakdown in communication and that the brand and the influencer didn't properly agree and have an agreement and come to terms. However, it is risky, right? Uh, Absolutely.
1: I think it's really important to remember that influencers are people. As well, And I feel like because it is such a big culture and a big trend now, and I think, yeah, like I said, it, it, it is a no brainer. Maybe for me, it is probably because I've had that experience with working with influencers. But like you're saying, this may be something new that people are, you know, investing in or, or considering. So I think it's really important to one, keep in mind, influencers are people, they're not robots. So things aren't going to be perfect. You do need to relinquish a little bit of control when it comes to partnering with an influencer. Um, Yeah. So I think there is that, that fear there, but I think, like you've said, there needs to be that clarity around one, is this relationship authentic? Does this influencer align with my brand, my values? Are they someone who will, advocate for my brand and also kind of speak to those same values as well. But yeah, there is going to be that risk there. So I think as long as you're clear upfront with what it is you're expecting and that you're both on the same page, then usually you can get quite a, quite a good result, sometimes better than what you originally expected.
0: Yeah, I think, and I've said this to everyone, that please do not work with an influencer unless you have a written agreement. I know that that sounds like obvious, but it's incredible how many people don't do it. There's a lot of assumptions around what they expect influencers are going to deliver. Well, I sent her product. So of course I was expecting and I'm like, but not all influencers follow the same rule book. Some of them will happily post for free some of them will happily post for a million dollars like yeah. so you you know don't assume actually get it in writing for sure and then in terms of the risk factor sure it's risky marketing is risky business is risky but i know one thing for sure playing it safe is the riskier strategy of all because you are guaranteed that people are going to scroll past your content I feel like if you're risk averse, maybe business is probably not the best for you.
1: Well, absolutely. And I think staying ahead of, you know, ahead of the curb, following trends, you need to grow and adapt with your audience. People grow and change, and so should your business, because how else are you going to relate to your audience? You need to be able to deliver content that, that is digestible for them, that appeals to them. And if that's where your audience is sitting on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube and they're watching influencers, then that's where you need to be. You need to be present. Otherwise, like you've said, you're going to be left behind.
0: Totally. The other thing about um, influencers that people often overlook is that influencers are actually content creators. They are creating the content and it's really good content because they know how to use these social media platforms really well. They're very confident on camera. They know how to edit these 30 to 60 second reels and TikTok videos and their content is very authentic. And so, I think this speaks to why influencer marketing has taken off in the last couple of years because they are creating better content than some of the brands. Would you agree with that, Taylor? Yeah, absolutely. And I think,
1: again, it comes back to that control thing. I think as a brand, you have an idea of how you want to look and you have an idea of how your content, like how you want to design your content and how it wants to be projected to the public. And I think the key word here is collaboration. You When you collaborate with an influencer, I feel like, and in my experience, they tend to draw out something from your brand that maybe you hadn't considered before. And nine times out of 10, if I give them a brief, they will produce something that's even better than what I had imagined. Or, wow, I didn't you know, consider my product could be perceived in that particular point of view. So, yeah, I think it's about collaborating and
0: definitely sharing that, that creativity together. Oh, certainly. All right, so let's talk about our favorite things campaigns. What exactly is an influencer marketing campaign? So, in my mind or
1: in my experience, an influencer campaign is when you use the influencer or you partner with an influencer. To be kind of the face of your campaign. So, usually, an influencer has a follower base or a certain level of engagement that, as a brand, you want to be a part of that. So, similar to working with a magazine, for example, you know they have a brand, they have a level of circulation, it's the same thing. So, with an influencer, you want to partner with them for your campaign to help bolster or elevate whatever message or
0: item or service that you're trying to promote through that campaign. Love that. That's such a great definition. I think that that's a really succinct way to explain it. So let's look at some examples. Like what are some of your notable, favorite small business examples?
1: Yes, yeah, so one of the examples that I really really love is the brand Love Luna. They create period panties. So it was around 2019 and actually at the time I was working at another business called UPI and they were launching a vitamin brand called Better You. So we actually partnered with Emmy Lou to help support our brand and at the same time Love Luna were also partnering with Emily Emmy Lou and I thought it was an incredible partnership. So Essentially, it was like a, a brand awareness campaign. They partnered with Emmy Lou and they did a, an Instagram post, basically just doing like a call out to the, you know, everyday women in Melbourne. We're running a photo shoot with Emmy Lou Loves at this studio at this time. If you want to be a part of it, Comment below. This particular post got, I think, over 800 comments, which is an incredible feat for a smaller business at the time. And so they did this photo shoot with just everyday women, and Emmy Lou Loves was kind of the spearhead and the face of this photo shoot. And it was incredible. I think it really struck a chord with me because as a, as a woman, an everyday woman, I loved seeing real women on my Instagram feed wearing period undies, talking about stuff that we all go through and they looked they looked real. And I think Emmy Lou Loves at the time was kind of at the peak of her career where she just launched this new TV series on SBS. So as part of that Love Luna had like a TV commercial featuring Emmy Lou as well. They looped it up with an awesome giveaway on the Instagram platform as well. I think Emmy Lou actually was interviewed around this time and she said she did a post about Love Luna just on her Instagram stories and within like 2 days it was across a weekend the Love Luna saw a 40% increase in their sales over that that weekend specifically. So you could tell already that that partnership was an incredible alignment, incredible collaboration, because Emmy Lou was a reflection of their target audience, and her following on her own socials were the right people who then obviously went across to Love Luna, started following their socials, started purchasing their products, and it was a bit of a like a multi-platform partnership and campaign as well. So I think overall, it was incredible.
0: I love this so much, especially because of it was so integrated, which is for me, what makes it a campaign. The fact that it wasn't just a couple of posts on social media going, oh, that didn't work. And it's, (laughs) of course it didn't work. People don't take action from seeing something once. There was you know, a multi-pronged approach to your point, Taylor, there was the TVC, there was the content that came out of the shoot. There was the shoot itself, which is a little bit of an event or an activation. Then it was the giveaway, the teasing, all of it played a role. You know, it was bringing in all those elements together that made it the symphony, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? After seeing
1: all of that, I went and bought a couple of pairs of Love Luna period panties and I still wear them to this day.
0: So it worked. (laughs) Hey babe, that's the plight of marketers is that when you see good marketing, you go out and you buy the the product. Like I'm obsessed with this uh, brand called LNDR, which is like an athleisure brand. And I do not need any more workout gear, but their (laughs) marketing is so fire that I have spent hundreds of dollars just because I'm sorry, I tip my hat to the marketing. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it funny?
1: I do the same thing sometimes. And I don't know why, like you feel like you can see right through it when something's bullshit. You're like, no, 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 that's bullshit. I'm not purchasing that product or I'm not supporting that business. Whereas other ones where like, you know, for you, active wear, for me, period panties. I'm like,
0: I love that. Yes, I'm going to support you and go buy more of these undies. Who cares? Absolutely. All right, do you have another example? I love examples. Yes, so uh, Bondi blades. I don't know if you've, like, have you tried
1: dermaplaning with your no. face yet? What okay. is this? Oh my God, it's super satisfying. So essentially it's like this really slick little facial blade for women where you, it's almost like removing all the dead skin and extra hair off your face. And it's, it's kind of gross, but really satisfying at the same time. Bondi Blades really took off around May 2020, so kind of like when I guess lockdown. Particularly, I'm based in Melbourne, so obviously COVID was a really, really big deal. We all went into lockdown. I think it kind of impacted the whole nation in you know the same way. But Ali Clark, who actually created this brand, she started investing in a little bit of content on TikTok. And I don't know about you, but prior to COVID, I didn't really use TikTok. And then when lockdown happened. I was on TikTok all the time because there was not much else to do. So, and I actually got served a few of these particular ads by Bondi Blades and the content was great. So essentially what they did is they partnered with, I think they started with some more micro or nano influencers to create content and actually explain how to use the product. So just demonstrate it, make it really fun and quirky on a little TikTok video with some trending music. And I was on board. Throughout that time, I think it was such a perfect combination because everyone was sitting at home. We couldn't control anything, but hey, we could pick at our face. We could dye our hair. We could do those things. So it actually worked really, really well in Bondi Blade's favor. So you could see over time that the product popularity grew. You can see across their socials as well. Their following is huge now. And then you, they started aligning themselves with bigger influences. So like Liza Sobanoff from Maps, Melanie Bowe, the beauty blogger. They've got some really big names now. So if you're scrolling through their grid and you're seeing people who are aspirational, of course, you're going to look at that. It's going to get your attention. Do I need to demo plane? What is this? Like, am I missing out? Yeah. So I think overall, I think it was a great, opportunity. I think it was just the timing lent itself really nicely as well to this particular influencer campaign of growing a brand.
0: So many lessons to take out of that example. First of all, that timing is everything in marketing and it can make or break your campaign. So great. The second thing to take out of there is that if you are thinking about starting an influencer marketing campaign or starting to experiment with influencer marketing, maybe don't go to someone who's already a huge catch, like start playing with a micro influencer and figure it out and just dip your toes in the water and not spend all of your money on a massive influencer until you gain experience in this. So absolutely love that example. Got Marketing is brought to you by Campaign Del Mar, a marketing education platform for entrepreneurs. Master the fundamentals of marketing, nail your email marketing strategy, or join my signature program, Campaign Classroom, and learn how to create killer marketing campaigns. These are not the kind of online programs where you are left floundering, unsure how to put theory into practice. Nor will these programs sit unfinished for months. You can expect accountability, a supportive community, and to walk away with practical, real world marketing skills. Learn more at campaigndelmar.com. Can I just make a comment about TikTok? Yeah, do it. Yep, yeah, thanks. It's just going to be one of those like Mia rants, okay? okay yeah. So, marketers like you and I, we are proven, statistically shown to jump on these platforms earlier than everyone else because we work on them, right? And so, of course, we w- we're on TikTok and we're on Clubhouse and we're on Twitter and everything, but that is not representative of the target audience. And so what happens is we get on TikTok, we think it's great, and so we think that all of our customers or our clients should be on TikTok too, whereas actually, in fact, 25% of Twitter's audience are under 19. So if 25% of your audience are not under 19, you do not need to be on TikTok yet, did I say Twitter? I meant TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And like marketers need to remember that they are not the target market. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, look, and I think, I think you're very right. I'm actually, I'm really the opposite. If I'm not sure of a, a particular platform, if I'm hesitant, that's the last thing I would recommend to any of my clients until I know my shit and I really know that platform and I'm familiar with it, then I will absolutely confidently speak to specific clients and say, this is great for you. But I have actually in the last two years, a lot of them I've said, no, you don't need to be on TikTok. It's a waste of your money. It's a waste of your time. You're better off sitting on Facebook or you're better off having videos on YouTube, wherever it is. You're right. I don't think you need to be on every single platform. Don't make your life harder. Make it easier. Pick one or two and start there. And I think this worked with Ali Clark for Bondi Blades. She did like a, a webinar. I watched it last year and was around TikTok and she started on TikTok. That was the first platform she tried. And she said, honestly, she's like, I had no idea how to use the platform. I just trialed a few videos and it worked for her. So again, I think it's all about trial and error. If it doesn't work, that's fine.
0: Try something else. Certainly. But also give it a good crack. Like don't just try for a week and be like, oh, I don't have 5,000 followers. So obviously (laughs) not, not, not for me. It's like when we say try, we mean properly try it, try it for six weeks, you know? Yes.
1: Oh yeah. That's, that's the most frustrating thing. I think when people are like, I didn't get results. Why? It's been 24 hours. And I'm like, because it's been 24 hours, like any You can't expect to go out to a like a person on the street and be like, hey, purchase my product. That's not how it works. It's a relationship. You need to foster and build these things up. And this is where influencers come into that. Once you've kind of built that brand foundation, great, partner with an influencer that's an authentic connection with your brand, and they will be an advocate for your product, for your brand. People are more likely to listen to them than you. I know that might be a little bit offensive, but it's true
0: they're called influencers because they have influence. Right, mind blown. (laughs) All right, so how do brands get started with influencer marketing? If you've never done this before, what's step one, two, three? Well, I think I've talked about it a lot,
1: but I really think it's so important to highlight is authenticity. You know, I think originally working with influencers was this glossy, shiny thing that you did to make your brand look really schmick and popular and cool. That's not what it's about anymore. I think people really see through that. So it's all about connecting with someone who is authentically invested in your brand. So if you're a vegan company, for example, you wouldn't go and partner with someone who's a big foodie and who tries all sorts of different food and promotes meat, for example, or you know, a, an epic barbecue place. That's great if that's what you're into, but as a brand, if you're advocating and you're promoting being a vegan, align with someone who has those same values as you. Otherwise, that control that we've been talking about of relinquishing that, it's going to be even worse. And no matter how detailed your brief is, your influencer is going to promote something that's authentic and real to them. So I think that's really important. I certainly
0: agree. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I also think we need to redefine who an influencer is because like you said earlier, Taylor, like there is this misconception that all influencers are these incredible looking 22 year olds doing yoga in their underpants, right? And that's not necessarily true. Like there are thought leaders can be influencers, you know business owners can be influencers it's who it's whoever in your industry your niche who has influence and who has been able to build community and build trust with with an audience so think beyond the traditional travel influencer and perhaps there's someone trailblazing in your industry that fits that definition, they are potentially an influencer. They might might not even call themselves an influencer.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think that's really true. I'm working right now with a friend of mine. He's actually a dad from childcare, but he's got his own Instagram profile. And for him, I don't think he realized he was an influencer until I kind of befriended him and he showed me his Instagram profile. And I was like, this could actually be something like you have something to offer that, you know, a lot of dads out there are probably missing. So yeah, exactly that. It can just be someone, like you said, you meet on the street and you're like, you actually have a niche that people will listen to you. So go for it.
0: Watch out. Well, Taylor is now an influencer manager. Awesome. (laughs) Please don't tell people that. No. (laughs) (laughs) And please brief them and i this is something that i teach my customers which is not sexy in the slightest no one gets excited about learning how to properly brief a third party supplier or a potential collaboration partner or a potential influencer it's not like you know put this on the on the on the box but so important like if you reach out to an influencer and you make their lives so easy by sending them a quality brief that says, right, this is my business, this is the vision, these are my values, this is what I'm trying to achieve, this is my time frame, this is my budget, this is some of the imagery. An influencer is going to look at this and go, Oh, I've got everything that I need. I don't need to go 100 times back and forth, asking questions, teasing out the brief, all of which is unpaid, mind you. And I can get stuck into quoting you for this. And I'm sure you've experienced this before, but like I've been able to work with influencers, but also photographers, videographers who have been full, who've been like, no, nah, we can't, we, we don't have any more time. But because I've sent them a killer brief, they're like, you know what, you've made this so easy for me that we actually can jump through all of these, you know, normal obstacles and just book the shoot date and get this done. And I know that it's going to be easier to work with you. So be a good client. Well, yeah, and this is true. So it's not even, I
1: think we focus so much on the end product of what the influence is going to create and how that looks to your audience. But as a brand and as a business, again, like you've said, you are representing yourself to an influencer. So if you're someone that they don't want to work with and you haven't made their life easy, they will talk about it with their community and their other influencer friends. So you've got to keep that in mind as well. Absolutely. I think that's a really good point, (laughs) Mia. No worries.
0: Okay. So what if it doesn't go completely perfectly? For example, and this is definitely the exception and not the rule. I think it was last year, but JS Health had a huge scandal with one of their influencers and it was Nadia Bartel, who somehow managed to share an Instagram story to her feed of her snorting a white powder off some Kmart plates. Now, the Kmart plates is an essential component to this story because it's what made the story go viral. Everyone found the fact that she was snorting whatever she was snorting off the Kmart plates hilarious, and as a result, this story got picked up by every news outlet channel seven, all the advertising publications. And this of course is going to have very negative blowback, pardon the pun, um, <laughs> on <laughs> on any of the brands that she represented, including JS Health Vitamins, who she was presently running a campaign with. So what do you do then? Oh, God. Go to Kmart and buy some plates. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, look (sighs) –
1: you're right. I think this was a really unfortunate occurrence across all fronts, but this is the risk you take with working with influencers. Again, you don't have that control, but you are working or partnering with people who are meant to be a representative or an extension of your brand. So I think JS Health or Jessica Siebel, like they handled it, she handled it incredibly well. I think they were really diplomatic about it. You know, They released a, an Instagram post or a social media post, addressing addressing it. They didn't actually directly name Nadia Bartel or point any fingers, but they just said, look, you know, this unfortunate occurrence has happened. In this instance, we are now going to part ways with this particular individual and move on. I mean, J.S. Health can't really do much else, I think, in that instance. It's unfortunate that it, it was someone like Na- Nadia Bartel. So she is a hot topic. She's easy news. People are going to pick that up and talk about it But again, like I said earlier, influencers are human. (laughs) These things happen, you know, and I'm not supporting the behavior. I'm not supporting that at all. But I think we need to be understanding that everyone makes mistakes. But again, this is a risk you take. So I think essentially have a plan in place. You need to have this in the back of your mind. You don't just go ahead and run forward and work with influencers. Keep in mind that these things can happen. This can potentially negatively affect your brand. It's, a real reflection on how you respond and how you manage it moving forward, I think is the real poignant part for any brand. If you just disregard it, act like nothing's happened, I don't think that's the the best way forward. I think you need to kind of tackle it head on, but be diplomatic and respectful about it, definitely.
0: Yeah, shit's always going to go down. It's all about how you handle it. And I completely agree that this was well handled. All right, final question. What are top tips from your experience of working with influencers that you can share with the listeners. Top tip one would be don't look at an influencer's following. Don't look at that
1: number. I know it's something we talk about a lot, but I feel like it's something that still comes up, particularly with people who probably aren't as well-versed in the social media and influencer space. Just because they have 10 million followers doesn't mean they have real influence. I highly recommend looking at their engagement rate. There are free online engagement calculators that you can just type into Google and they will come up. You can then pop in the influencer's handle and it will actually generate an engagement rate. Essentially, that is a reflection of an approximate amount of comments and likes that each influencers post will get or receive. And that's a reflection of how loyal their following is. So again, you can buy followers. That doesn't mean that they're actually commenting and liking and actually digesting your content. So engagement rate is more important than following, 100%. Another tip would be Authenticity. I know I keep saying it, but don't just partner with someone because they're really huge or they're a really big deal and they're big and shiny. That doesn't mean anything if they're not aligned with your brand. So work with people who are invested in what you're about. And I think that's really unveiled me. Like you said earlier, when you're briefing the influencer, something that I always do is I'll always reach out via DM or email and say, hey, I've got this campaign. I'd love to chat to you more about it. Are you interested? Usually it's then when I'll have a phone call or a Zoom chat with them and we actually talk about what the campaign is and you can gauge straight away, usually if it's a video call by their face, if they're actually interested or not. So definitely talk to them. They're people. They're not scary. I don't know. They're not scary celebrities. They're real people. Just talk to them about it and see if there is a real genuine connection there.
0: Great, great, great advice. The only other thing I want to add to this is that just like all of your marketing, you should not be putting all of your eggs into one basket, you know, bigger brands, you know, when I was working at L'Oreal and um, when I was in agency land, we work with up to 25 influencers at a time because, you know, you actually don't know how well it's going to go, and so you spread your risk across different influences. And you're like, "Oh, she was the wild card. Didn't realize it was going to go so well, but with this particular campaign or this particular launch, she was the standout performer." And so, just like our marketing channels, don't want to be over investing in one channel because you know then you've got all those eggs in one basket.
1: Yeah, absolutely, I agree, hundred percent. And again, have that varied level of engagement, following types of people, gender values, mix it up. So you've got that broad reach as well. Yeah.
0: Amazing. Well, this was such a high value chat. Thank you so much, Taylor. It was great. I'm very surprised this is your first podcast episode. So (laughs) well done. (laughs) Thanks for having me. And yeah,
1: I think you can tell I love talking about influencers. So you've definitely got me comfortable real quick. (laughs) Thank you. amazing.
0: Well, I'll put your contact details in the show notes, but thank you again. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. You listened right up until the end. So why not hit that subscribe button and keep the good marketing rolling? Podcast reviews are like warm hugs. And they're also the best way to support a small business. You can connect with me, Mia Fileman, on Instagram or LinkedIn. And feel free to send me a message. I'm super friendly.